Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.01 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the 9th day of January 2024. This is Palindrome episode 838 of the Bitcoin and Podcast. Wow. <clears throat> For some reason, I'm just unable to get back in, slide back into doing the show like I normally do. For some reason or another, man, my cadence is all messed up. So I, I, I'm going to make the best of it. I promise I'm going to make the best of it. Uh, we've got some stuff going on today, but just so I am, uh, you know, kind of being a little bit more cooler to the guys over there in the zap.stream chat room, I want to thank Kid Warp for 2.1 thousand Satoshis. I also want to thank The Grinder for 2.1 thousand Satoshis. Y'all just paid the stream for today, tomorrow, and probably the day after that, given what I'm paying for uh, streaming this, which is great because zap.stream is an awesome service. And if you're not using it for streaming, and you don't know, they added a feature. And what is that feature? StreamYard. Not the brand, but the, the restream, StreamYard, that kind of shit, where you basically just stream to one platform and then it restreams it out to several other platforms. Right now I'm going to Twitch. I'm going to ZapStream. I thought I had been going to YouTube too, but something weird's going on there and I'm not sure. Maybe YouTube is blocking. Who knows? Don't care. All I know is that it has the capacity to restream. So if you're using one of those services, why not think about using zap.stream zap instead? You know, that you're, you're paying these guys and then they in turn do a whole bunch of stuff on the back end for you. So please do that. Give, or at least just give it a shot. Hey, if it doesn't work for you or if it's too convoluted for you, I get it. I, you know, and, it's okay. You can go back to doing things the way, the old way and just use Restream or Zapstream or, or I mean, uh, uh, StreamYard or something like that. But this is the way that we make circular economies in this space is to actually use the goods and services that are constructed by the plebs and nostriches in this space. Nostriches, if you don't know, are the people that are resident to the social media social media protocol, not platform, the protocol that we know and love as Noster. And yesterday I brought you um, the same people that I'm going to bring you today from uh, for the Circle P because the Circle P is open for business. That's the Circle P is the thing that I do as a community service to the plebs and other people in this space that allow them to get their goods and services out. And they just don't have it. You know, maybe they don't have the money. 
to do advertising proper and they need just a couple of more voices to tell other people about their goods and services, I'm going to bring you, well, Fern Plant Shop again. Inland Northwest, if you live anywhere around Spokane, you know, Post Falls, Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, places like that, and you want to go to a gift shop and you want to find some cool-ass plants, but you also want to be in a space that is that you can define as a destination, right? Like going to a store that is not properly appointed, going to a store that, like, go, like almost... Almost any antique store. Think of almost any antique store where it's just junked out. It's not really, it doesn't have the feel of a destination. A really nice restaurant or a really heavily forested woodland park, that's a destination, right? You want to be there. You want, you're looking forward as you're going to the place to actually go and be in that place that is what is the difference between a destination and just somebody who's got a junked out piece of shit garage that's stuffed full of crap. That is not what Fern Plant Shop is. If you look at the care that they've taken to decorate their stores and the plants that they produce for the community at large for sale in their brick and mortar stores, then you will understand that it is a destination. It's a place that you want to go and vibe at. All right. So, for the guys over in zap.stream, I'm going to throw up some pictures here and start a little slideshow. And this is going to be a little messy when I do this because I'm going to have to take it down and stop the stream or not stop the stream, but, you know, do some edit, on the fly editing live in my, uh, uh, in my audio software. So just bear with me again. Not only am I out of practice with the cadence of the show, I'm also doing something new today. So it's a 1% difference. I'm trying to make it 1% better, you know, because nobody wants to look at my ugly mug. I don't get that. It's like, I just don't understand the, the thought of having to put myself talking to you with my hands live. It maybe one of these days I will. I don't know. I just don't I I got a I got a face for radio, man. So that's just the way that this is going to go. In either event, Fern Plant Shop. You can go check them out. They're open 7 days a week, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. They've got locations in Spokane, Liberty Lake, and Coeur d'Alene. Liberty Lake, I believe is in Washington state along with Spokane. Coeur d'Alene is definitely in Idaho. If you've never been to Lake Coeur d'Alene, if you've never been to that little town and you have a chance to go, you need to go. It's gorgeous. And then spend the money and take a boat out on the lake. It's a huge lake. It's beautiful. The water is crystal clear. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing lake. It really is. The whole area is beautiful. It's so worth your time. And when you're finished with the boat, run over to the Coeur d'Alene fern plant shop store and go check out the plants how they've decorated it and just chill and vibe with the plants so there you go there's the there's the circle p for the day now into the news ladies and gentlemen microstrategy is already up nearly one billion with a b dollars from bitcoin alone in 2024 william suberg writing for coin telegraph <clears throat> bitcoin has earned American software technology firm MicroStrategy more than 
$100 million in 2024. <clears throat> Excuse me. Data from statistics resource Bitcoin Treasuries confirms that the pioneering corporate investor has made almost nine figures on BTC this year. The ongoing BTC price renaissance is particularly enjoyable for MicroStrategy, owner of the world's largest corporate Bitcoin treasury. Last topped up on December 27, 2023, the firm's stash now totals 189,150 Bitcoin. As of January 9th, this is worth approximately $8.832 billion. $840 million more than it was on January the 4th. Could you imagine making $840 million in like a week? <laughs> the impressive year-to-date gains from or form just one of various examples of MicroStrategy's Bitcoin comeback. On January the 8th alone, when BTC saw a $3,000 daily candle, the firm netted most of its 2024 returns around $600 million in a day, a day, a one 24 hour period, $600 million. When it first purchased Bitcoin in August of 2020, the largest cryptocurrency traded at just over $10,000 per Bitcoin after its latest acquisition of 14,620 BTC, its cost basis on a per coin basis became $31,168. As Cointelegraph reported last week, MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor is himself enjoying a similarly successful investment, personally owning more than 17,000 Bitcoin. Should Bitcoin continue to climb, Saylor could soon enter the world's richest list, but still needs a BTC price of over $1 million per coin to beat current leader Elon Musk, who gives a shit. Honestly, I don't think Michael Saylor actually gives a shit. A curious contrast, meanwhile, comes in the form of MicroStrategy's stock price. The price has fallen by more than 15% year-to-date, per data from Cointelegraph, Markets Pro, and TradingView. Last week, Saylor revealed a $216 million sale of his company options. That's his options. He's not selling, he's not minting shares of MicroStrategy company stock to go buy more Bitcoin. He's selling his personally owned shares of MicroStrategy options so that he can personally buy more Bitcoin. And he also said, take care of other personal obligations. I don't know what they are. Anyway, as the new year begins, he uploaded MSTR returns relative to stocks, gold, and Bitcoin itself to Twitter, revealing that the former MicroStrategy had outperformed the latter. Quote, this year, Bitcoin empowered MicroStrategy, he summarized in accompanying comments. <clears throat> Not bad. Not bad for a man who continuously is called a lunatic. Even I think he's kind of a lunatic. In, I'm looking at the results and I'm like, he's not a lunatic. He knows he actually knows better than you do. So you might want to shut up and think about how can you be more like Michael Saylor? And I'm not exactly sure how, except to get rid of all my chairs. And honestly, I'm done with the selling your chair meme trope bullshit, okay? I need a chair to sit down. I'm not going to stand up 24 hours a day. I want a chair. I'm sitting in a chair now. I'm not selling the chair. Nobody's getting rid of my chair, right? Except 
possibly these idiots out of new scientist. Yes, I'm going to do it. I, I have I, I have to. I don't really have a choice. Um, and what am I talking about here? Well, what I'm talking about is this article that was written by a gentleman named Matthew Sparks from the magazine New Scientist. Should nations try to ban Bitcoin because of its environmental impact? Hmm. Okay, before I get into the meat and potatoes of it, understand that I understand that you have already heard all of these arguments before. But we're going to rehash them because this thing was printed January the 8th, 2024. What I'm about to read you came out yesterday. So I'm going to read it to you, So, and I want you to read it with this in, or I want you to listen to it with this in mind. I'm not rehashing this for you. I'm demonstrating where the mainstream media is stuck. They're stuck in the mud. When an, when an opposing force that you're battling finds themselves mired in a swamp, on the edge of a river, a lake bed, I, whatever, and they're just having problems, that's when you move in for the kill. That's when you move in for the kill. Not when they're running free and wild. No, when they're stuck in the mud. You will understand just how stuck in the mud mainstream media is during this piece. The amount of electricity used to mine and trade Bitcoin climbed to 121 terawatt hours in 2023, 27% more than the previous year. While other cryptocurrencies in the same position have made bold changes to cut their impact, Bitcoin's decentralized community of developers, miners, and investors are showing little interest in changing course. If Bitcoin cannot clean up its own house, should governments step in to shut it down? The latest from the University of Cambridge shows that Bitcoin currently accounts for 0.69% of all electricity consumption worldwide. It also requires vast amounts of water, both for electricity production and for cooling at data centers. A study last year found that one single Bitcoin transaction uses enough water to fill a swimming pool. It's hard. I'm telling you guys, it's hard to read it. I understand that it's hard to hear it, but we got to do it to dispense with centralized control. But to ensure security and reliability, Bitcoin traders register transactions in a permanent record called the blockchain by carrying out vast numbers of calculations that serve no practical purpose. This protects the network because hackers would need to control more than half of that compute power to fake or undo a transaction. But it also sucks up resources and pumps carbon into the atmosphere. It is estimated that Bitcoin accounts for 0.16% of global greenhouse gas emissions. I have to pause because there's two competing ideas in those two paragraphs. Let me do this, okay? I Just bear with me, guys. To dispense with centralized control, but to ensure security and reliability, Bitcoin traders register transactions in a permanent record called the blockchain by carrying out vast numbers of calculations that serve no practical purpose. 
Then the first sentence says this protects the network because hackers would need to control more than half of the compute power to fake or undo a transaction. Is is the compute power serving no practical purposes or is it to protect the network because hackers would need to control more than half of the compute power to fake a transaction? Do you do you see? Can you see what I'm talking about here? Within, I mean, literally within just a couple of sentences of each other, he completely reverses what he said. No practical purpose. Well, there is a practical purpose. It protects the network. See, we haven't even got, he hasn't even mentioned whether or not the token that is Bitcoin has any value. Right now, we're just talking about protection of a network. Just think of any network. Any network that you want to protect, yet serves no practical purpose, yet it protects the network that serves no practical purpose. This is ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. But not as ridiculous as Alex de Vries at VU Amsterdam in the Netherlands. He has studied Bitcoin's impact for years and believes it is indefensible. Quote, the whole system is built to incentivize participants to waste as much resources as they can possibly afford on making computations of which the result is immediately discarded. Pausing. No, the result is not discarded. It's yet another layer of amber that protects your last transaction. All transactions. Every single one of the transactions. They're not discarded. They become armor. These people have no idea what they're talking about. In 2022, another cryptocurrency, Ethereum, ditched this wasteful proof-of-work system altogether and replaced it with one whose, well, those who own the currency control the network. What does that sound like? Rather than those who own and operate computing power. This slashed the network's energy consumption overnight by more than 99.99%. More than a year on, the experiment has provided or proved successful and Ethereum remains secure. No, it's not. DeVries says the Bitcoin community, a loose collection of miners, investors, and companies refuse to take the same steps and remains wedded to proof of work despite its environmental impact. Quote, such a system is just totally inappropriate at a time where human-induced climate change is making it more and more urgent to be more mindful about the way we use resources, he said. Quote, we would instantly reduce global electricity consumption by one half of 1% and worldwide carbon emissions by one quarter of 1% if Bitcoin ditched proof of work. This may not sound like a lot, but this result would be achieved overnight. I don't know of any other way to cut greenhouse gas emissions faster than this, end quote. Uh, Maybe conventional agriculture? Just saying. If you don't understand what I'm saying there, one of these days I'll do a show about what's going on with conventional agriculture, but we don't have time. New scientists approached several, I love this one, check this out. New scientists approached several of the world's leading Bitcoin mining companies for an interview on the issue. Argo. TerraWolf, HUD-8, Riot, Block Mining, Frontier Mining, and Hive Digital Technologies. None of them responded. 
The email address of the Bitcoin Mining Council, a member's body set up to speak on behalf of mining companies, appeared to no longer be valid. A statement on the group's website says, quote, the BMC believes that Bitcoin's energy usage is a feature, not a bug, and provides tremendous network security. A campaign called Clean Up Bitcoin, backed by the U.S. nonprofit organization Environmental Working Group and Greenpeace USA, aims to pressure the industry to reduce its environmental footprint, pointing out that the rapid turnover of powerful machines designed and built specifically to mine Bitcoin also adds significantly to global e-waste, sending 30,000 tons, that would be 60,000 pounds in American tons, of machines to landfills every year. Bullshit. 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 The problem was highlighted last year by an art installation called the Skull of Satoshi, created by art activist Benjamin Von Wong, who we almost immediately converted into a Bitcoiner. Quote, The growing climate and community impact of Bitcoin mining is stark and heavily documented through scientific journals, investigative journalism, yeah, right, and research by government and independent scientists, says Eric Kajola at Greenpeace USA, quote, even with this knowledge, Bitcoin miners and investors continue to forge forward, growing their industry, showing a clear lack of concern for CO2 emissions, large water usage, support for fossil fuels, and negative community impacts, end quote. Kojala says financial firms like BlackRock, Fidelity, and J.P. Morgan Chase are looking to push mainstream adoption of Bitcoin by creating new financial instruments that allow people to indirectly invest in it, hence the BTC ETF. Quote, our concern is that this will drive up Bitcoin's price, creating an explosion in the environmental and social footprint of this cryptocurrency, he says. BlackRock says it was unable to discuss its Bitcoin fund because of U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission rules on products being reviewed. The other companies highlighted by Kajala didn't respond to a request for an interview from new scientists. <laughs> BlackRock does. Nobody wants to talk to these guys. I I can't imagine why. I just can't imagine why. With no sign of the Bitcoin community or the finance industry working to fix the problems themselves, Rachel Orr at the Charity Climate Outreach says governments will need to force changes through. Well, depend on the government. Quote, it's really important that people are made aware of the environmental cost of trading in these currencies so they can make informed choices, she says. Our research shows that people are willing to change their behaviors, but they need strong leadership from governments. This is why we need a proper government strategy on how everyone can be involved in successfully tackling climate change, end quote. However, Bitcoin's decentralized nature, this is the point. Bitcoin's decentralized nature makes it next to impossible to enforce changes. And the same is true of dismantling the technology. Countries can take individual stances to ban Bitcoin mining, as China did in 2021, but without global consensus. That is likely to lead to a game of whack-a-mole, where miners hop from state to state to avoid bans. Okay. Let's see. Uh, I'm just, I'm just t- for those of you guys that are uh, in the uh, live chat, I'm just looking here. A face for radio. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Got to pay those taxes. Uh, don't forget to water your miners, y'all, or boil the water. No shit. Uh, 
Yeah, there's a guy saying no audio, or is it just uh, you? Don't know what to tell you, man. Some some people have audio, some people don't in the live chat. I, I don't know what to tell you. I wish I could help you out, but I got <clears throat> I got to skedaddle and get to some other stuff. Uh, let me look at something here. Okay, yeah, we are good on that. Okay, so let's let's just kind of look at this a little bit. One of the things that jumps out to me at this piece, on this piece, and remember, this piece was written yesterday. Well, it was written before that, but it was published to New Scientist yesterday. And it's just filled with the exact same things that we've already debunked. And other people, like other people that, that don't have as much interest in Bitcoin as we do, have also debunked it. The swimming pool full of water on one transaction thing, that was almost immediately laid to rest. You know, we still got Elizabeth Warren running around saying that Hamas used Bitcoin and it's all Bitcoin's fault that Israel, you know, got attacked. None of which was actually true. Yet she's still running around lying the same lie to the same people and it's still having the same effect. No, it doesn't matter if we debunked it. It doesn't matter if other people debunked it. It's working for them. Nobody wants to vaporize a, a swimming pool full of water. And if you repeat the lie long enough, people will start to believe it. And, and this is the kind of shit that we're up against two different major players as enemies in this space. One is generalized mainstream media, their connections to huge corporate fundage, as well as federal governments around the world especially if those federal governments have anything at all to do with G7, G8, or G20. All right, we're talking about the Western nations that have all bought in to as much BS as you can possibly buy into as fast as they possibly could, right? Now, they just keep, all they, these guys do have to keep harping on it. The other side of that coin are the people that are shit coiners. The people like, like, uh, for instance, uh, what was there's name of it? There was a, like a Netflix document, some documentary called BitConned. Like you got conned, but Bitcoin, at, but it had nothing to do with Bitcoin at all. It was about a completely different company that was a full on scam. They had their own blockchain, which they didn't actually have a blockchain. They had their own token, which was just all fake. And it was supposed to be you could spend, you know, Bitcoin directly off your credit card. And yet they had absolutely no infrastructure in the back end. And they were pulling down millions and millions and millions of dollars in investments. And the guy that was the worst guy of all was the guy that got time served. And he didn't even have to go to prison. And he was the worst one of the bunch. He was, I mean, you've got to watch Bitcoin so that you understand what we've been up against when it comes to that part of the coin and what we are still up against with those same people, much less. We had to deal with those people in 2017. We didn't have idiots write, writing for new scientists at the time like this, but now we do. So now we're fighting a war on both fronts. The people that want to scam using Bitcoin as a name and the people that just absolutely hate Bitcoin and blame all the scams on Bitcoin, even though Bitcoin is the only thing that hasn't rug pulled because there's nobody to rug pull Bitcoin. And, the, and here's the other thing about this piece that I find fascinating. 
New Scientist is an old older publication. It's not ancient, but it's, you know, it's got it well, it used to have, it doesn't anymore, but it had street cred. Oh shit, you got published in New Scientist? Fuck, that's on every newsstand in the United States. Well, if they're so great, why is it that nobody wants to talk to them? BlackRock just basically said, ha, ha, we have we have a total out. We don't have to talk about this because the product's under review by the SEC. So you can forget about that. All the rest of the guys that have submitted their S1s for the BTC ETF, they're not talking to new scientists either. They just don't care. BlackRock could have probably made a statement. They could have probably just made a blanket statement. They didn't even do that because they don't care. The mining companies themselves, people go, oh, it's because they were scared to be put on record. No, they weren't. They don't care what New Scientist says. Nobody gives a shit about these people anymore. But the problem is, like I said before this piece, our enemy is stuck in the mud. Now is the time to actually attack and destroy them. It's not a time for us to sit on the log and watch them wallow in the swamp and point and laugh. This is the attack. This is the best time to attack because they have no new arguments. So what are, what's the attack vector for us? Writing, putting, writing stories, writing articles, putting out, doing content creation about all the things that are good. And then I think we need to learn how to actually market ourselves. I've said it before. I don't know how to market my way out of a wet paper bag. And the people that do, they don't have time for me. And that's okay. I get it. I I get it. Somebody out there within the reach of my voice or within the reach of, of your voice, somebody that you know that doesn't listen to this show, that is a master marketer, how do we tap that talent without looking scummy, without like, oh, it's a contest. I fucking hate contest. You see what I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Marketing, for lack of a better term, is good if you don't succumb to the scumbaggery of it. And God knows there's a lot of scumbaggery in it. I'm just saying that now is the time for us to make our push. How is it that we demonstrate that mining actually sequesters carbon? I still am thinking of an idea, actually a couple of ideas, on how I can leverage Bitcoin mining in a way that actually puts physical carbon in the ground. Not because I'm a tree-hugging hippie freak, although one of my favorite things in the world is a tree. It's that I see an opportunity here to leverage the idiocy that is the carbon markets and have them pay me because I'm putting physical carbon in the ground that was produced from Bitcoin mining. Yes, it can be done. I know it can. I absolutely know it can. I can put carbon in the ground by a ton. And right now they're talking $100 per ton on carbon credits. So if I develop a system that can put 100 or one ton of physical carbon into the ground where I can guarantee, and I can, that it will be sequestered for thousands of years in the form of biochar, 
I will get $100 when I sell my carbon credit that I'm given because I proved that I put a ton of carbon in the ground. I'm going to take that money. I'm absolutely 100% going to take that money. And you'll say, David, you're feeding the system. You goddamn right I'm feeding the system. You know what? I feed geese to get pate, or not pate. What is it? A foie gras? I force feed them. The goose is going to fucking eat grain anyway. When I'm just going to set up a situation where when that goose comes to the feed trough, it forces them to eat it to the point that their liver gets so fat that when I chop that son of a bitch head off and I put that liver, a slice of it in a pan and fry it on both sides in some serious ass butter and I throw that thing on top of a fucking steak and drizzle it with an ah poire sauce, hell yes, I'm going to force feed the goose that I'm eventually going to kill so that I can have a fabulous French meal. I'm absolutely going to do that. Or at least I would. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get the system online. I don't. will probably never be able to get investors because it just doesn't have the ROI that they want because everybody's used to $15 million falling in their lap every hour because they're a VC. I don't know how that system works. It makes me kind of sick to my stomach, but by God, what I've got in my head would actually do that. And yes, I would leverage carbon credits for it. Fuck it. Why not? They've been stealing my money for ever since I was paying taxes, which is what, 18? I don't know when you have to start paying taxes in in the United States. I just remember somewhere around 18 years old, I started actually signing uh, income tax returns. Be that as it may, they're taking my money. I will take their money. I don't give a shit. I'm just done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done caring about whether or not another Karen thinks that I'm enabling the government because I'm going to, you know, that I think that their idiocy in giving me money for putting carbon in the ground is great. I would put carbon in the ground anyway. And this is the main point that I'm trying to make with this entire system that I've got in my head. Even without the carbon credits, I would do this shit anyway. Why? Because when you put carbon in a solid form, And I'm not talking about charcoal. Don't go buy a bag of Kingsford. It doesn't work this way. You actually have to make charcoal that is just carbon. And charcoal that you get for your grill ain't just carbon. There's a lot of hydrocarbons that are still locked up in it. That's why it burns for a long time. Carbon I'm talking about would ignite and be gone within a minute, right? It's pure carbon. You shove that shit in the soil, it ends up being a water battery, a nutrient battery, a pH buffering system, It harbors life. It harbors bacteria, mycorrhizal, all kinds of other fungus. It harbors little tiny good nematodes. It stores, like I said, it stores water. It stores nutrients. It acts as an electrical battery. I would put that shit in my soil anyway, even without the carbon credits. I've done it even without mining Bitcoin. I've made biochar and I've put it in the soil because I know what it does. I would do it anyway. This is the kind of shit that we need to be plastering everywhere in response to idiots like this. What is his, what's this moron's name? This dude that can't think of anything else except the old arguments, Matthew Sparks from New Scientist. That would be Matthew Sparks from New Scientist who hasn't had an original thought and God only knows how long. So he has to recycle the same bullshit. It's the very same bullshit. We've been fighting this for a long time. 
All right, let's run the numbers. All right, CNBC, futures and commodities. We've got what? Uh, oil. Ah, man, oil energy right now is in play for volatility. Just, I'm just saying, it's in play for volatility. Um, West Texas Intermediate, $72.51 after a 2.5% price rise. Brent North Sea is also up 2.18%, $77.78 a barrel. Natural gas is up, whoa, holy crap, 9.7%. That's almost a 10% rise in a day for natural gas, $3.26 per thousand cubic feet. And gasoline itself is up 2.5 points to $2.07 a gallon. Why? What's going on in energy right now? Well, I forgot to tell you about it yesterday, but over like the weekend, last weekend or the end of last week, Saudi Arabia signaled that they were going to cut prices. What is Saudi Arabia? Oh, actually not Saudi Arabia, but the news came out of Saudi Arabia, but they were kind of speaking as far as OPEC plus. They said OPEC is going to lower the price of oil. They haven't done that shit in a long, 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 long time. What do they always do? They either cut or raise oil production. And that's how they regulate how much money they're getting as a country. But their last cuts, all the oil traders said, you're full of shit. You're not going to cut production anymore. We're, we're, the bears are in control. We're going to send this shit down to somewhere where we think we're going to get President Biden reelected or something like that. And in the midst of this, President Biden has actually started, re- well, that's what this is what they say that they've been refilling the strategic petroleum reserves at $75 oil. And of course, right now it's at 72, but they started refilling it around 75, right? So if they can, if he can refill the strategic petroleum reserve at a price that is at around $71, which is what he said he was going to do late, like way, way, way before, then he has better chances on reelection if they push that instead of orange man bad, which is what they're doing now. I don't like Biden. Don't get me wrong. Of course, and again, I don't like any of these idiots. They're all critters for me. And, you know, maybe varmint stew would be more in order for them, but whatever. It doesn't matter. I think that the traders on Wall Street want Biden back in. I think they are forcing the prices to the point that even Saudi Arabia and OPEC, OPEC bent the knee when they said that they were going to reduce the price of oil and not try to fight and do yet further production cuts because OPEC was having internal battles. Some of these countries, they need that production. Is So if you're wondering what's going on in energy, that's why, at least in the very, very short term right now. Now, gold, unchanged. Silver is down 0.88%, platinum down 1.6, copper down 1.3, palladium down 1.5. Ag is mostly in the green today. Biggest winner is going to be, what, wheat, 2.56% to the upside. Biggest loser is lumber, 1.13% to the downside. Live cattle is up a half. Lean hogs up 2.73%, while feeder cattle are down a quarter. The Dow is down 0.64% today. Wow. 
The S&P likewise down a quarter. NASDAQ is up, but only by scant. And the S&P mini is down three quarters of a point. Bonds, yields have gone up today. The 10-year is now yielding 4.021%. The 30-year, 4.18%. So there you go. The DXY, the ICE US dollar index, is also up today. 1.2.58. I'm sure it has something to do with the phony baloney uh, employment numbers. They don't want you employed, by the way. So I don't know why they keep touting this. Uh, It's like, you know, Jerome Powell says, "We we need to reduce the amount of employment even though the Federal Reserve is supposed to make sure that we have full employment, but with full employment, people keep buying shit. It's just, I want out. And that's why I buy Bitcoin, which is at a price of $46,645.56. Average transaction value is 0.68 BTC. Median transaction value is 147 bucks. Block times are high, 10 minutes, 17 seconds. 0.97 0.97 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and whoop de doo 135.6 BTC just in fees overall in the last 24 hours. With a 16.63% increase in hash rate, we are at 490.2 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, as always, is Doge holding at eight United States pennies. $913.9 billion is the market cap. That is 6.74% of gold's market cap. And you can get 23.3 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,593,755.5 of. 5,010 and a half of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $233.7 million, 14,649 nodes that we can see, sporting 59,928 payment channels. of all that's being run over Tor. Mempools, well, do we really need to do it? Might as well. 543 blocks carrying 261,000 transactions waiting to clear uh, 40 Satoshis per V-byte. High priority transaction cost, that's about $2.6. 34 Satoshis per V-byte is low priority. And anything under 21.3 Satoshi's per VBot is being purged for mempools around the world. Hash rate, according to mempool.space, is 539.3 exahashes per second. So we'll just say 500 exahashes per second and leave it there. Show notes, or not show notes, boostograms for Happy New Year, episode 837. That was yesterday's show. I got Nat Gas Immersion. A row of sticks, 11,111 Satoshi says, thanks for news without recaps. I knew someone would appreciate it. Pies with 2,100 says, yo, thank you, sir. No, thank you. Bitcoin Boaz with 1,021 says, all sats matter at allsatsmatter.com. God's death, 370 says, good to hear from you. Yep, you too, man. God's death with another 370 says, thank you, sir. The transcripts. We're on Fountain. Okay, well, good. I'm, I'm glad that Fountain's uh, transcription service is working well. I appreciate you telling me about that God's death. Uh, Charlie Surf with 100 says, great podcast. I cannot believe I'm not able to end the weather report with a no thank you, sir. That's going to do it for the weather report. In fact...
Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Hold on for just one second. There we go. I had to adjust something there for the guys in the uh, over there in the live chat. Coindesk, Amataj Singh, BlackRock, Vanek, and others update their Bitcoin ETF filing within hours of a quick SEC response. You're going to say, dude, we know about this. No, you don't, because this shit it just got written today. And this actually happened yesterday after I did the show where I talked about everybody getting their S1 filings in. And that happened the day before that. No, 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 no. BlackRock, Vanek, and others have updated again their filing. <laughs> they are really... Talk about hitting the ground running. I don't think I've ever seen this amount of work done by the SEC and these guys. This is amazing. BlackRock, Vanek, Invesco, and Galaxy, ARC, 21 shares, Grayscale, and other prospective issuers among 13 hoping to launch Bitcoin exchange-traded funds in the U.S. have filed updated documents on Tuesday. The filing indicated that the entities were among the prospective issuers that the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission sent comments in the past 24 hours to. Coindesk reported earlier that the SEC sent comments to a set of prospective issuers of the spot Bitcoin ETFs just hours after the company filed documents detailing fees for their proposed products on Monday. Among the changes in the latest updated filing on Tuesday is wording that seeks to mitigate damage to shareholders in the event of insolvency and avoid a conflict of interest between the ETF's authorized participants, which is J.P. Morgan. And a couple of other people. But J.P. Morgan is in on this, even though Jamie Dimon hates Bitcoin. Yeah, he's been lying to you. Invesco and Galaxy's updated filing saw them reduce the fee they planned to charge to 0.39% from the earlier 0.59%. The latest filings show an almost unprecedented engagement between the SEC and prospective issuers with filings following SEC responses and then updated those filings within a short span of 24 hours. The SEC is widely expected to approve all applications this week as it faces a January 10th, 2024 deadline, i.e. this Wednesday for one of the applications by ARC and 21 shares and may want to approve all of them together in the spirit of fairness. Well, I would do that probably. Okay. So there you go. What's what's significant about this is the actions being taken and the time compression that they are being taken in. We're talking about like the last filings of the S1s that I saw were like January the 7th, January the 8th. And then the SEC made comments on them on January the 8th. Here we are one day later and those comments have been taken in ingested and incorporated into a brand new set of filings for the Bitcoin ETF by all of these guys. That's like 11 to 13 separate teams having to work round the clock to incorporate, answer, and rewrite these filings so that it appeases the gods that are the SEC. Which means to me that this shit's going to happen tomorrow. I think it's going to happen tomorrow. That's my gut feeling. We may not want it. 
We may think it's good for Bitcoin. We may think it's bad for Bitcoin. We may be of a neutral sentiment. But it doesn't matter what we think about it. It's going to happen. And we're going to have to figure out the fallout of that whole thing. And, you know, right now we've got some pretty serious looking volatility in Bitcoin. Well, actually not serious, but there's volatility in Bitcoin because people are just, this is for me, this is definitely, except for just flat buying Bitcoin, this is a no trade zone. I don't trade anyway, but if you are out there and you are trading Bitcoin, A, stop. B, definitely don't do it until we figure out what happens tomorrow, right? So, but this shit's going to happen. And we can hate it, we can love it, we can embrace it, we can distance ourselves from it. But no matter whether you love it or you hate it, you should take the following advice to heart. Do not buy the ETF. This is not a product for you. This is a product for the fireman's union. This is a product for a teacher's union. This is a product for a healthcare company and their retirement, their IRA stuff. This is for major universities. This is for major companies. You don't have to play that game. And I highly recommend, even if you love the idea of a Bitcoin ETF, I highly recommend that you stay as far away from it as you possibly can because they're going to charge you annually to hold your Bitcoin that you don't actually hold. It's an IOU and they will never give you the actual physical Bitcoin. To redeem your shares on every single one of these, they'll sell your Bitcoin and give you United States dollars. Then you can take that and then after you pay taxes, if you made gains, you can buy Bitcoin and hold it yourself. Why go through the trouble? Just buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. That's what I do. I highly recommend that you do it too. Now, grayscale discount. We've been talking about this for four years now. It has sunk. The grayscale discount. Okay, if you don't know what that is, grayscale has a shit ton of BTC. You can buy shares of that trust. It is a trust right now. They're trying to get it converted into an ETF. They're one of the people that have a filing with the SEC that we're going to find out about tomorrow. They have a lot of Bitcoin and you don't own any of it. You own the shares of a trust and the Bitcoin is an underlying aspect of that trust. However, there's been a discount on Bitcoin for like three straight years. And that means that you actually can buy the Bitcoin cheaper if you buy it yourself and hold it than you could if you bought shares of the Grayscale Trust, which means you bought into something that you were automatically losing, in some cases, up to 50% of its value, even though you had you did have like, you've got a lockup period, so you couldn't exactly realize that loss. But that's what the discount is. However, that Grayscale discount has sunk to the lowest in 18 months on the bet that the conversion for Bitcoin ETF will be successful. The discount on the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, the world's largest Bitcoin fund, has slipped to its lowest level since April 2021, ahead of an expected conversion to a spot Bitcoin exchange-traded fund. Data shows the discount fell to as low as 5.6% on Monday. Keep that number in mind. The discount is now at 5.6% and reaching a level previously seen in June of 2021. 
The fund has traded at a discount since February of 2021, reaching a high of nearly 50% in December of 2022, but expectations of an ETF approval and rising Bitcoin sentiment have steadily narrowed that discount. It closed Monday at $39. Each BTC or GBTC share in the trust holds $41.86 worth of Bitcoin as of Tuesday. The trust has no built-in market mechanism to keep the GBTC share price trading close to the underlying value of the Bitcoin, opening up discounts as well as premiums that traders can use as part of their trading strategy. As of Tuesday, GBTC is one of the only ways for stock traders in the United States to gain exposure to the price movement of Bitcoin without the need to purchase the actual cryptocurrency. The discount could be taken as a bearish indicator because it could signal a waning interest in Bitcoin among traders while a premium could signal demand for Bitcoin. Meanwhile, Grayscale is currently awaiting a decision from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission on uplisting the trust as an ETF alongside 12 other players. Grayscale has dropped its 2% management fee to 1.5 as part of its proposed uplift to a spot Bitcoin ETF. Uh, it has over $27 billion, with a B dollars in assets under management. Um, yeah, that's all we need to say about that. So the the discount, this famous grayscale discount has narrowed from 50% to 5.6%. And one of the things that was in this story that, to take note of is what they were saying that maybe this means that there's a waning interest in, in Bitcoin. Why on earth would you buy a product from a company on days, weeks, even months before its very underlying structure could change. I doubt anybody's buying shares of GBTC right now. Maybe I'm wrong, but I would, I would, I've never touched it. I have always told people to never touch it because it's, you don't own the Bitcoin. So screw it. I don't, I'm, I'm uninterested, but, 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 if you did, if you had, did have interest in it, you really should wait until we figure out what the SEC is going to do. So it doesn't surprise me that nobody's buying GBTC shares right now. Just, I'm just, I'm just saying. All right, <clears throat> on into some nobsbitcoin.com news. The FCA's consumer protection regulations make centralized exchanges unusable for retail Bitcoin investors. Now this is all about like Europe. Okay. This has nothing to do with the United States, but if you're a European, you might want to know, or you might, you may be aware that owing to the erroneous categorization of Bitcoin by the FCA, which Bitcoin policy UK and the majority of the industry strongly argued against exchanges in the UK are bringing in new customer frictions before allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin reported Freddie New, head of policy at Bitcoin Policy UK. The process involves two steps. First, describing what kind of investor you are, and secondly, passing a quiz or a questionnaire. If you're a new customer, you will likely also need to wait for a 24-hour cooling off period before you buy. Remember, if you don't want to go through these absurd and unnecessary steps, you can always buy peer-to-peer without these restrictions from Peach Bitcoin, P 
peach, like I'm eating a peach. Hoddle hoddle or bisque, spelled B-I-S-Q, just for a start, said New. Other unrestricted P2P Bitcoin buying options for UK investors include RoboSats, Agora, Desk, Vexel, and LNP2P Bot. In case of Bitfinex, the exchange recently announced removing the availability of product and services in the United Kingdom for certain customers in line with regulatory requirements. I'm sorry, this isn't Europe. This is just the UK. Uh, Bitcoin Policy UK has been uh, collating examples of each and every exchange questionnaire that has been released so far. If you're struggling with the process, or if you want to get a sneak peek at what they look like, please check out the list that follows below. They're actually giving you cheat sheets because you have to take a quiz. Could you imagine? Hey, I want to buy some shares of Exxon. What do you know about oil trading in the futures market? Uh, uh, I just want some Exxon. No, but you've got to know about how you've got to know about lateral drilling. I don't know nothing about lateral drilling. Well, I'm sorry. You can't have your shares of Exxon. Seriously? Are you freaking serious? I mean, I'm sure it's not exactly that onerous, but still, I want to buy a product. Why should I be restricted? This this is what they're taking away from us. It's just the, they're taking these little bites out of us all the time. It really is time to say no to all of these people. If you want Bitcoin, then go to go buy it on Peach. Go to Hodl Hodl. Go to Bisk. What was the other ones that were that they were talking about? Uh, Desk, Vexel, RoboSats, Agora. Go to a Bitcoin meetup, bring cash, buy Bitcoin from one of the Bitcoiners out there if, they're, if you can find one that will, is willing to give up their Bitcoin. But again, we're entering into this phase where circular economy becomes more and more important. I would rather just sell you something that I own for Bitcoin, even on the Lightning Network, through Noster or something like that, than to go through all this crap. I'm just, I'm so done with it. I, it's just awful. All these, all these people are awful. Now, yesterday I brought you, I brought you just a little bit of news about this thing called Fiat Link, and that is uh, what, who was that from? That was out of uh, Breeze, the Breeze people. Um, I've got a, I had a story, but it was written by Shinobi, and Shinobi is hard to read. He really is. I, he's a great guy. He has excellent information, but his writing is, is. He's an excellent writer, and sometimes it's very difficult to read. But No BS Bitcoin comes to the rescue with this one. Fiat Link, a lightning fiat standard for Bitcoin on and off ramps. It is a free and open source API specification for Bitcoin on and off ramps. The goal of the project is to provide a unified API specification for fiat on ramps to create interoperability and easier integration of multiple on and off ramps into applications. Currently, Fiat Link is an open API standard. Any wallet or app can access multiple brokers through a single interface, and every participating broker gains access to traffic from all those apps and wallets. No one is bound to anyone else through proprietary APIs. The market for fiat to BTC conversions and BTC to fiat conversions become more free 
and more open, which is always a good thing. Multiple payment options, SEPA, credit cards, and bank transfers are supported. API providers allow users to request price and cost estimates, final quotes, and then finally confirm a specific order quote and finalize that by inputting their payment information. Uh, that wrote, wrote Shinobi for Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, withdrawals from a brokerage service to the user's wallets is processed through LNURL withdrawal. So the ability for anybody to take this API throw it into their app and have the ability for people to buy and sell Bitcoin to fiat back and forth with credit cards, SEPA, bank transfers is huge and comes stock with what? A gigantic target on its back. It's a gigantic target. It doesn't mean don't use it. It doesn't mean that the people at Breeze are dumb. It just means that this is a target. Anybody who's using it could be asked to take it down. So if you're going to use the Breeze API for the fiat to BTC and back again on and off ramps, have a backup plan. Please, for the love of God, have a backup plan. Because I can see regulators getting their panties pretty much in a snit about this. Just, I'm just saying. Now, uh, Albi, uh, Albi Mobile or not. This is from getalbi.com. It says, it's a note on Nostr. And this actually came through the Nostr report. So if you're not reading Nostr report on Nostr, it's a great place to go for information. Uh, Wait, so it here Albi mobile or not. I, I think there, I think there's some uh, translation issues in the notes from Albi, but it's okay. We'll, we'll work with it. There is, and there's even more than one Albi account PWA. Go to getalbi.com on your mobile and quote, install app from your settings. Progressive web apps are a thing now. Not that easy for Apple to ban transactions. If you use Firefox, so far this is Android only, on your phone, now you can install the Albi extension and use it like it was on your desktop. You can store and use your Nostra keys, pay lightning invoices, use Bitcoin apps, and many, many more. So that what they've done is GitAlbi has taken their web extension and built it so that you can use it as a progressive web app on your phone thereby gaining the features that the browser extension has, which as they list here is using your Nostra keys and storing them and paying your lightning invoices and using Bitcoin apps and all kinds of other stuff. And now you can do it on your phone. So if you were wondering, you can go do that now. And I highly recommend uh, out the guys over at Albi. Uh, I have never had a problem with their extension on my web browser. Not once, not ever at all. Okay, finally, Mercury Layer has been released. This is something I was going to bring to you again, but it was written by Shinobi. And it's highly technical, (laughs) but it is a Layer 2. Kind of like Lightning, but kind of not. 
So instead of reading you the Shinobi piece out of Bitcoin Magazine, I'm doing this one from NoBSBitcoin.com. Mercury Layer has been released. It is a Layer 2 protocol for Bitcoin that enables the self-custodial transfer of coins, UTXOs, without on-chain transactions. Commerce Block is releasing Mercury Layer today, an improved version of their variation of a state chain, wrote Shinobi for Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, The upgrade to Mercury Layer represents a massive improvement against the initial state chain implementation. However, unlike the initial Mercury wallet release, this is not packaged as a fully consumer-ready wallet. It is being released as a library and command line interface tool other wallets can integrate. The big change Mercury Layer is bringing to the original version of state chains is blinding. <clears throat> the operator of the state chain service will no longer be able to learn anything about what is being transferred, i.e. the TXIDs involved, the public keys involved, even the signatures that it collaborates with users to create pre-signed transactions necessary to claim back your funds unilaterally. Overall, with the massive privacy improvements of the new iteration of state chains and the composability with Lightning, this opens many doors for the economic viability and flexibility of second-layer transactional mechanisms on Bitcoin. Okay, One, here's, here's the thing. When they say it's the, the, uh, what, what it say? the big change Mercury layer is bringing is blinding, It doesn't mean that it's blindingly cool. It means nobody can see shit about the transaction that you're doing off-chain. Now, eventually, you have to upload that transaction to the chain for various other validation purposes, but it can work off-chain until you decide to do something like in Lightning Land, we call it closing a channel. Until we open a channel or close a channel, nobody needs to know shit about what's going on on the Lightning Network. And kind of consequently, it's kind of off chain as far as Bitcoin is concerned. But one of, and, and that's cool. That, I mean, this whole, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to go all in state chains on this. I'm just saying that this particular implementation has utility. And here's one of the biggest utility things that I saw from the original article written by Shinobi, which I did read, but decided I wasn't going to read it on air, is this. state This Mercury layer state chain, in conjunction with Lightning Network as it stands right now, can be used in a way that looks something like this. I want to open up a Lightning channel with you. You want to open up a Lightning channel with me. We can do that transaction on a state chain and nobody knows dick about that state chain. Okay. So it's a double blind, right? Blinded, you know, nobody knows what the hell's going on with this transaction. They don't know that it's a lightning trans uh, lightning channel open transaction. They don't know what the hell happens on the lightning channel payment channel between us as we're working with lightning. It's just an, it's just a regular Bitcoin transaction, nothing. And nobody knows anything. Nobody knows dick about who did it where it came from, because that's all the state chain layer. So think of the state chain transaction as a base. Now take our payment channel for lightning that we have with each other and stick it on top of that base. Now what happens? In order to close my lightning channel with you or you with me or us collaboratively, we have to close 
the state chain. We have to actually do something about that initial UTXO that opened these channels. Okay, you're going like, so what? I don't care. You would if you're getting force closed on lightning. To me, this means that nobody can just force close a channel on me if the channel was opened with a state chain. Understand, I may be getting this wrong, but I think I'm very, very close to being correct. I might have some of the notions a little bit messed up, but I think I'm not all that far from being wrong. You have to, you have to do something about the state chain of on which the lightning payment channels are open on. And then you can close the lightning channel. I think this puts a buffer zone between people that either just want to force close your channels and it's going to cost you a shitload of money in a high fee environment, or there's just some accidental transaction that just got stuck and causes the system itself to initiate a closure on your channel. And if we, if this, if I'm right, then this is protection against that happening. And then at all of a sudden, we don't have to worry about lightning being force closed in high fee environments. Just saying, let that sink in. And that's the end of the morning roundup. I haven't done a joke in a while, so let's do Dad Says Jokes. I hate it when my wife gets mad at me for being lazy. It's not like I did anything. And for all you lazy butts out there, that one's for you. Don't be lazy. We've got a brand new year. God only knows what the hell is going to happen tomorrow with the Bitcoin ETF. I don't, it doesn't really matter. We know that Bitcoin doesn't need it. We also know that people are going to get it whether they, whether we want them to or not. We don't have any say over the matter. Bitcoin can be bought by anyone, anywhere, at any time, and that includes our enemies. So just understand that it doesn't matter what you want. You're going to get an ETF. It's going to be a spot Bitcoin ETF most likely, there will be at least 10 of them that open up tomorrow. Some of the things that I've heard said about this Bitcoin ETF is that trading will start the day after. Does that mean number go up? Not necessarily. Does it mean number go down? Not necessarily. Could be neutral, could go up, could go down. Do you see the theme here? Bitcoin is going to do what Bitcoin's going to do, like it's always done, no matter how many triangles on a chart you draw. The best way to approach the future of Bitcoin is to buy it and to hold it all by yourself with your own private keys. Please do that. Please do that. Also, parting shot to Matthew, that idiot that wrote that thing from the New Scientist, please find some new material. This is old. Everything you said in your article is not only wrong, but it was wrong months ago, years ago. It's wrong then. 
it's wrong now. It's never going to be correct. And the I forgot to address the e-waste, the 30,000 tons of e-waste, like people are just throwing away their miners. Bullshit. That is bullshit. Nobody has given me an actual shred of proof that they're just dumping S9 miners. Those things are being sold on second and tertiary markets. Right now, you can still get old ant miner S9s. Barely have anywhere close. They just have hardly any of a percentage of the S21s that that are coming out now. And yet people are still buying them. Why? They're using them for experiments. They're putting them as heaters in their basements, up in their attics to, you know, to force hot air into their heating system. People are heating up jacuzzis with them. People are using them to heat greenhouses with. They're not being thrown into a dump at the rate of 30,000 tons every year. That's bullshit. That is a straight up lie. Do not trust these people. Please, for the love of God, do not trust these people. And I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.